ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey everyone, this is Emily Kaplan. I'm joined by Linda Cohn and we are so thrilled to bring you the first episode of the new In the Crease ESPN NHL podcast. Linda, I'm going to start with you. You are the OG. You got to respect your elders. Tell everybody a little bit about you and why you're pumped to be here today. All right, Emily. Thank you for those kind words. You always come through for me. You're so supportive. I adore you. Uh, who the hell am I? Okay. I've been at SportsCenter for a million years. I've lost count. I started in 1992, but most important, I am a hockey fan first. Everybody knows it. People assume I'm always the Ranger fan. Stop. Enough. Stop this crazy talk. I love the National Hockey League. That is my passion, like you, Emily. Um, And finally, we have this amazing stage to share that passion, to connect with you guys, the listeners, because you're like us, and we're going to give you things that you can't hear anywhere else, a different perspective. Right, Emily? I mean, the takes, the opinions, which probably are the same thing, not that we agree on everything, because let me tell you, people, we do not. But anyway... Yes, I've been around for a while. That's a nice way of putting it. But the one common thread is my love uh, for the game of hockey, specifically the National Hockey League. And I was a goalie. So for whatever that's worth. And once you're in the goalie union, Emily, you never leave the goalie union. And so there's that. Now, Emily, my goodness, I am so proud of you. Yes, I'm old enough to be your mother and I'm okay with that. But I'm just so proud of you because look at how far you've come in such a short amount of time. Can you tell our listeners about the journey? Well, firstly, I almost feel silly making you have to introduce yourself. Disclaimer, our producer made us do it. Because if you're a sports fan and you're listening to this and you don't know who Linda Cohen is, I don't really think you're a sports fan. But I digress. Uh, You know, I grew up in New Jersey. I went to a tiny little liberal arts school called Penn State. You might have heard of it. There's a hockey team that came after I graduated and my first job out of college was covering the NFL for Sports Illustrated. And while I was there, I got noticed by ESPN. They brought me in for an interview to cover the NFL and they called me a few months later and they said, you know, we don't have a job for you in football that we think you take. But our biggest need right now is a national hockey reporter. And you mentioned hockey and your love of hockey multiple times in the interview, which to be fair, Linda, I didn't even know I was doing. It's just natural for me. But I'm a middle child. I have middle child complex. I thought my dad hated me. He was a hockey fan to get closer to him. Hockey games growing up. And now obviously I'm his favorite. So I've been covering the NHL for ESPN since 2017. And it's just been a joy. I love telling some of the behind the scenes stories, the quirky stories, the ones that let the players' personalities come out. I like covering big topics in the league. You might know me from probably my favorite story that I've done which is hockey players have big butts and they can't find jeans that fit because it's totally a thing. Um, But I also appear on shows like Around the Horn, uh, which has been such a blessing for me outside the lines, Sports Center. And we're just so, again, to use the word thrilled, to usher in this new era of ESPN on NHL where we're going to have games again, Linda. Yeah, and that's really cool. And you really touched on a lot of cool stuff there. You know, it's been 17 years since ESPN has had the National Hockey League. And for those who are like, oh, you know, they're too young, they don't remember, that's okay, because what you're going to see, what you're going to hear on our family of networks is just totally different. You're not going to know what hit you. And it's going to feel like an Alex Ovechkin hip check right into the boards. It is going to come at you hard. Cringing at the thought of getting hit by an Alex Ovechkin hip check. Sorry. Exactly. And we that's one of the guys we spoke about and spoke to when we spent a week in your beautiful city, the Windy City, Chicago, which was so much fun, so cool. We talked to so many, you know, future Hall of Fame players uh, and some we don't know that could be Hall of Famers down the road from an Alex Ovechkin, from a Nathan McKinnon. From a Steven Stamkos, who, oh, by the way, you're going to hear later in this podcast. Woohoo! You're going to hear him like you've never heard him before. I bet you thought he was so dry and boring. Not with us, okay? Emily, you know that. And, um, and so that was very cool. But probably, Emily, the best thing about my week in Chicago was the food. And I didn't even have your deep dish pizza because I'm a New York girl, and that is not pizza. Linda, I'm a New Jersey girl, and I don't eat it either. 
It's disgusting. It's casserole. I refuse to, unless it's Pequod's, which is kind of like an East Coast vibe. It has the red and white checkered tablecloths, and they put the cheese in the pan so it caramelizes the crust. That's the only spot mm. I'll eat. But I'll only do it when I know I have nothing the next day because I never feel good after I eat it. But the food was great. The conversations were great. We have so many fun interviews that we're going to yeah. on this podcast over the next couple of weeks. Like, you're going to hear Steven Stamkos. Like Linda said, he was so fun talking about inside that Tampa Bay Lightning team, inside specifically the celebrations that they had at the boat tour, the Stanley Cup getting dented, the beer that Nikita Kucherov chugged and will continue to chug. It's going to be fun. Drew Doughty is another interview we're going to bring you in the coming weeks. If you guys are someone who watches the NHL and is like kids these days, you got to listen to the Drew Doughty conversation because he's a kids these days, get off my lawn kind of guy. Not only that, we learn things about these players we never knew. And I don't think anyone else knows it, too. Because, listen, I've been around the block a few times, and I can tell you what they told us. For instance, I'm not going to give it away, Anaheim Ducks goaltender, John Gibson, did something in the offseason, okay, that I don't care. There is no professional athlete that I know or you know, Emily, or anyone who's listening to this podcast knows did what John Gibson did in the offseason. I bet so much money on that. And if you want to take me up on that bet, come find me. Okay, come find me. So that's the stuff you're going to get. But, uh, you know, there's a lot going on. And, you know, even though obviously the puck drops, we're pumped up. You're going to see us at respective games. Emily, you touched on that. You know, obviously opening night, we don't have time to give you the whole schedule. Listen, we're on twice a week. You'll get our schedule. You'll know where to find us at every given moment. Plus, you'll follow us on social media if you haven't already. Right, Emily? I'm at Linda Cohn, C-O-H-N, remember. And Emily, where are you? I'm at Emily M. Kaplan because, strangely, Emily Kaplan's a really popular name. There was even another girl in my high school named Emily Kaplan, and I got called to the principal's office once on her behalf. So Emily M. Kaplan is me. And I just want to reference, before we go any further, yes. there is a on, including at your apartment, Linda. There might be some noise, hey? Oh, yes. I can't believe you're hearing that, but it's true. Here's the deal. Everyone can relate to this. All right. I happen to live in an apartment building. I don't I don't want to tell you where, but, you know, those who follow me on social media probably can guess. But anyway, long story short, I'm on the top floor. OK, there aren't a lot of units yet. They're picking for the next month, four weeks. Allegedly, these guys are on my roof. When I was in Chicago, it started. I missed out on it. They're on my roof. They're drilling. They sound like Frankenstein, like they weigh 700 pounds, each of them, as they're walking across the roof. My dog, you don't hear her yet. She wouldn't bark. She's on a walk right now because I had to get her out of the unit because she's having a nervous breakdown. It's like, Emily, you would come over with lit fireworks. It's the same reaction from my dog. She's shaking. She's nervous. It's, it's just horrific to watch. And this is going to continue for the next few weeks. Although my landlord says they promise it might be over, at least on my side, in a few days. Fingers are crossed. So yes, thank you for pointing that out. I was trying to block it out. And uh, there's there's a story of my life right now. Here's me just doing my big J journalism. I've got to get to the bottom of it and point it out to all of our listeners. But all right, enough about us. We like talking about ourselves, but that's not why you guys came here. We want to talk about the NHL. And Linda, Let's just get right to it of some of the big stories that are going to happen as the season begins. I think the first one we need to talk about is Jack Eichel, the captain of Buffalo, rift with management about the treatment for neck surgery. He wants to get an experimental, uh, what the management is calling experimental neck surgery. He says, oh, it's not that experimental. Just no hockey players done it before. Huge rift. He wants to be traded. At the player media tour, Linda, I found it interesting that the representative that Buffalo sent was Dylan Cousins. And look, all due respect to Dylan Cousins, he's a young player who's going to ascend in this league. It was not the right representative to send. He's a young kid. He was clearly uncomfortable. We asked him like two questions about Jack Eichel. And I think we were pretty innocuous and fair. We were just saying like, what kind of captain is he? And you could tell he was so uncomfortable looking at PR for guidance. Yeah, it was it was a joke. But wait, you I want to stop you there with Dylan Cousins. I got to stop you. I know I have to because I have to share a story. I shook his hand yeah. as we were leaving, Okay, as he was leaving. Right. I shook his hand. OK, yes, I had remnants of a vanilla shake shack shake on my hand. Do you know what he did? 
I saw him. He wiped his hand on his pants after he shook my hand. I will always remember that, Dylan Cousins. That is an insult. No, I actually think that's polite. He didn't say anything. Yeah. Oh, no, your hand is gross. But he was... but he was almost out the door of our special podcast room. Like, I mean, he was so caught up in his shyness. He could have made a joke about it. And then I would have made a joke about it. But I think that's to your point. All right. Let me back off. The New York girl in me is back. I think that was a look up roster of the Buffalo Sabres. And we said, who else are they going to send? Who else is even on this team? Like the only player I feel like they really theoretically could have sent was Jeff Skinner. But He didn't have the best season. I don't know if he wants to come out there and chat. And I just have to say, before I bring it to you, is that it's such a shame because at this event, which I've gone to every year since I've been covering the league, um, except for last year, I think it was canceled in the pandemic. I'm sure. Jack Eichel is always one of my favorite players to talk to. I sometimes ask these guys different questions, weird questions. I'll never forget when I asked one year, every player, when was the last time you cried? And a lot of players were weird about the question. They gave me some kind of answer. And Jack gave me this honest, emotional answer about going on YouTube a couple weeks earlier and watching videos of military families returning home and reuniting. And he said that he was just bawling in an emotional wreck. And I just always appreciated that about him um, and just how raw and emotional he is as a player. And just as we get into the specifics of what's going on in Buffalo, you know it's something big and you know it's something he cares about because this playing hockey, nothing's going to keep him off the ice. It's interesting you brought up how emotional he is. I'll tell you a quick story. When he was drafted, obviously, number two overall behind Connor McDavid, I was at that draft. It happened to be in Buffalo, if you remember. So the first game where it was Jack Eichel mm-hmm. against Connor McDavid mm-hmm. in the following season, okay, I they sent me to Buffalo to cover that. And it was great. ESPN sent me to Buffalo to cover it. I sp- And, of course, I shouldn't say of course, but – Connor McDavid, if I recall, had a really huge game against Buffalo. The Oilers beat Buffalo. Jack mm-hmm. Eichel, Jack Eichel, you know, did not come mm-hmm. close to having the game that Connor McDavid had first one against these two generational players. We may remember all the hype about these two players when they came into the National Hockey League. I interviewed Jack Eichel after the game. Honestly, he was close to tears talking wow. about it. And so to your point, he's real. He's genuine. And I want to get back to the the divide there. Okay. What bothers me about what's going on here, both sides are thinking very small, right? The state now this week, as you know, Emily, he's due for a pre-camp physical. He's going to show up, take the pre-camp physical. And my gut feeling tells me, I don't know anything. I don't know the doctors and all of that. But the point is this, I wouldn't be surprised if the Sabres say, oh, you're good to go. We're medically clearing you. Okay. And then Jack Eichel and his representation says, no, as you pointed out, Emily, we want to have this surgery. We think this is the right thing for his career. But if Jack Eichel reportedly wants out of Buffalo, this hurts his trade value. This hurts his stock. If he thinks he needs this disc surgery, do I want to spend this kind of money? If I'm a general manager and owner of another NHL team, why do I want to invest in Jack Eichel? And so both sides better figure this out. So if I'm Jack Eichel's representation, how do I keep my client's stock from dropping regarding his medical situation? Well, I'm glad you mentioned Jack Eichel's representation because that's another interesting topic because he had the same agents that he had since he entered the league and they were managing this. And we all know that he wanted to be traded last year. Well, it didn't work out and nothing happened. And what happened a few weeks ago, he switched to Pat Brisson of CAA, who has the largest client list in the NHL. So it's going to be interesting to see if Pat is able to maneuver something and get Jack Eichel out of Buffalo, which we all know is his end goal right now. He doesn't want to be there. You know, as it pertains to Kevin Adams, it's interesting because the owners, the Pagulas, they listened to the NHL's advice on some of their hiring to begin when they came into the league. And then they got frustrated. And they're like, we're not winning. Why are we listening to this? We're going to go our own way. And they promoted from within. And Kevin Adams is their guy, Kevin from the business department. And look, I'm sure he's a respectable guy. I don't have a personal relationship with him. But he's now faced with this franchise-altering decision where you have a star number one center, which is the number one thing you need in this league besides a number one goalie. Of course, Linda would agree with that as the goaltender. 
you can't trade him for nothing. You've got to get the proper return. He's done okay in some trades. He's done not so okay in some trades. He can't mess this up. And just having all of this pressure on him and his first general manager job um, and all the outside noise around it, I feel for him, but he's got to do something. And it really feels at this point, because it's dragged on so long, Jack Eichel really could start the season on Buffalo's roster. And another guy that I think could start the season on his roster, and let's kind of pivot here to him, is Vladimir Tarasenko. Another guy we've heard a lot of offseason noise about, a guy we know that walks out of his current team, the St. Louis Blues. Right. Behind Eichel, it is Tarasenko, the two unhappy campers in their respective teams. We got to see how this plays out. But I do feel there's going to be a resolution uh, shortly. You know, if I'm the captain, Ryan O'Reilly, who, again, another guy we spoke with during our week in Chicago, who was sensational. And we learned a lot about him and his growth and his journey and how happy he is with the St. Louis Blues. It is up to the captain to have uh, communication with him and everything that I've heard. He has talked to Vladimir Tarasenko and all you can do as a captain is reach out. But if a player is not happy, you know, we, we saw, you know, there were reports, as you know, that Tarasenko was not happy that he was not given a seat and it was Ryan O'Reilly. And that, that allegedly is where this whole thing started. Yeah, no, everyone I've talked to in St. Louis said when Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't named captain, he was really offended. I've been to Vlad Tarasenko's house. I know how proud he is to play for the St. Louis Blues and create a home there. And I think he felt like he earned it and deserved it. And then once he wasn't named, he felt like it was disrespectful. And I think did a cold shoulder to some of his teammates and maybe wasn't the best teammate at that time. Maybe just didn't handle it in the most mature way at the moment because he was clearly emotional about it. Um, But then there was an issue after that of the team kind of like Eichel mishandling his medical situation and the distrust between him and the front office grew even more. Yeah, really excellent point. So will that be worked out soon? I have a feeling it will. I want to kind of switch gears for the fans of the Minnesota wild. They've been like, they've been biting off all their nails because they're called their trophy winner. Kirill Kaprizov. We've been hearing this in the off season that he just might pack up his bags and go home and play in the KHL, even though he owned and dominated in this league, the National Hockey League, and will only get better. Uh, just He just, the rippling effect of Kirill the Thrill on that Minnesota Wild team made them must-see because it suddenly brought excitement, firepower, uh, dy- a dynamic style they of were play. Told- most boring team in the league and literally Thank you. player change the complexion. And I know this league is all about team identity. The star players besides goalies only play a third of the game. Even still one player, in my opinion, did change the complexion kind of like Alex Ovechkin arriving to Washington, even how it felt like Elias Patterson, his first year in Vancouver, maybe that's a better comparison, but he just made them fun and exciting to watch. So um, the latest on Kirill Kaprizov is the Minnesota Wild fans who are biting all their nails off might know something sooner than Ooh. later. A source is telling me as we speak now, uh, and this is a uh, Monday, September 20th, no deal is in place and both sides are still apart, not on everything, but both sides are still apart. According to the source on certain significant aspects of the contract. Mm. So, That is what I know now, but let's just say, according to the source, that it is not set in stone that he's going back to the KHL, and it's not set in stone that he's going back to the wild. But the good news is they have zeroed in on significant aspects of the contract, and that's what the focus is on now, but no deal yet as we speak. But they need him. Okay, that's now me talking. They need him. If they want to compete and if they want to take the next step, because they did take a big step with him, obviously, in last year's postseason. Now it's time to take the next step. And there's a lot of changes on that roster, as we know. Yeah, you know, that was 
like you read my mind. That was the next point I was going to get to is that, you know, Bill Guerin has been given a lot of credit for turning around this roster. And a lot of them, the moves did predate him. Look, Karel Kaprizov's not his third general manager. Bill Guerin wasn't the guy that drafted him. He was the one that finally did bring him over. That said, I mentioned this team was the oldest, the slowest in the league. And that locker room specifically was run personality-wise by Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. And buying out not just one of them, but both of their contracts was such a bold move by Billy Guerin. I give him a ton of credit because he said, you know, we tried it out with them. This era of the wild is over. We need to transition to be a young, faster team. But we also need to empower the guys in the locker room. And these guys are taking up too much airspace. We need the younger players like Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Dumba to feel like, and Kevin Fiala, another huge part of it, to feel like this is their team now. And all of that is good and done, but you need Kirill Kaprizov to be a part of it. Because like we said, out of all these players I just mentioned, he's the most important one. You know what, babe? Maybe by our next episode on Thursday, I'll know more about the Kaprizov situation from my source. But right now, no deal in place. So at least there is, for Wild fans, glimmers of hope. Don't give up. Stay positive, as I like to say, Emily. No, you do say stay positive. And I like to think that we're both optimistic people. We do a little cynical, though. And I think that's why people like us. We, we have a careful eye on things. Yes. Breaking news, my dog Babs is back from the walk. We are. I'm praying right now that those sound effects I alluded to earlier regarding Frankenstein monsters on the roof with heavy boots and all of that will stop. Uh, but uh, right now it's good. You know what I was looking at, it, which I found, speaking of rosters and different things, I think I'm going to name a player. I'm going to play a little guessing game with you. I'm going to name a veteran player, and I'm going to tell you why this player is a jinx. Do you have that look on your face right now, which people can't see, and you look a little puzzled? And so I like to have that look, see that look on your face, because when I can make you puzzled, because you seem to know everything I throw at you, Emily, there is a player. In the last two postseasons, okay, that were that was in the Stanley Cup final, but ended up being on the losing side, and now this new upcoming season, he is on a new team, and if I was a betting person, I think I'd have to bet against this team because this player is now part of it that roster. Does that make any sense to you? Is it Corey Perry? It is Corey Perry because let us go back in time. When he was with the Dallas Stars, although played great, unbelievable. And I'm a Corey Perry fan, even though I'm a goalie and he's a pain in my butt in front of the net. He was great with the Dallas Stars. We all remember their postseason, how great they were and how close it came to beating Tampa. Did not happen. Perry had a great, great postseason. Move on to the Montreal Canadiens. We all know what happened there. The Canadiens faced the Tampa Bay Lightning. Corey Perry, again, in the middle of it all. And by the way, he was the victim of the most blatant non-call in the history of non-calls in the postseason. So he created chaos. But what happened, Emily? The Canadians lost again in the Stanley Cup final. And now Corey Perry is a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Will he be the reason? If they do not three-peat, will we blame Corey Perry? Oh, I think we'll blame them losing their entire third line. That's fantastic. But I'd like to... Because I think that's what all the goalies in the league want to hear. Yes, just just an, just a random observation that I that I just made. No, I love it. And look, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are one of the most fascinating teams. They are the team that are going to be on our network the first game when we're back. You're going to see your girl Emily Kaplan between benches. I'm so excited for that game. Huge. But talking to Julian Brisebois, especially you know, I had a really good conversation with him right before free agency. He's the GM of that team. And I don't know if any GM had a more difficult offseason just in the decisions they had to make, because this is someone who built his team exactly the right way. He did it through the draft. He made some shrewd moves. He has emotional connections to so many of these players. Not only did they win him Stanley Cup rings, but he won with them in the AHL as well, in minor league hockey. And he basically had to say, eh, the salary cap, I finally have to say my goodbyes. And he did. And there's a lot of players that had to leave. I think he did a really good job in bringing in some interesting pieces like Corey Perry. It also helps though, that when you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and you play in a team, a state with no taxes, guys want to play there. When you create the culture that you did, 
guys want to take less for the opportunity to win. And so you see players like Zach Bogosian, um, Corey Perry. Who's the other? There's one other, and that's on the tip of my tongue. Well, they got a great backup, Brian Elliott, now for Andre Vasilevsky. They picked up Brian Elliott. I love The other that. one I was thinking of. All of these guys that are kind of the veteran, you put them in. Maybe you don't rely on them that much in the regular season. But once it comes to the postseason, they've got experience. Um, maybe they'll make it to the Stanley Cup final again. And you're right. Maybe they lose because of Corey Perry. Remember I said that. And when you think about the Tampa Bay Lightning, obviously automatic favorite, right, to three-peat. But there are a couple other teams that we can't ignore that are always in the conversation. And, of course, one of them is the Colorado Avalanche. Huge disappointment again last year, another early exit. Many people thought they had it all written. The script was written. The Avs were going to win the Cup last year. Nathan McKinnon was going to win every possible award known to mankind. If not, it would have been Miko Rantanen. If not, it would have been Philip Grubauer. Now Grubauer's not there. He's a Seattle Kraken. There are others coming and going. I cannot wait to share that Nathan McKinnon interview with that we had with him. And he was very honest about his emotions, which we weren't used to seeing, but we saw them all in that post-game interview after the Avalanche lost. I love that so much. That probably, besides the Nikita's uh, Kucci's like uh, celebration and, um, you know, new beer commercial sponsorships. I mean, I loved how real Nathan McKinnon was uh, after the just a disappointing early exit for the Avalanche. So obviously Colorado is right back as a top favorite to win the Stanley Cup. They are, but they did have a lot of movement this summer. I mean, they got rid of Grubauer because, look, their focus is all on getting Gabriel Landeskog back, and I'm glad they did it. You, you, yes. Captain, he's a very important player. He does a lot of things that just don't appear on the box score. He's he's a great player for that team. Um, but it did cost them Philip Grubauer, and then they take the chance on Darcy Kemper being the guy um, because they had to lose Grubauer, who went to the Seattle Kraken. Ryan Murray is a player they brought in that I think was a real right. art to bet on. Um, he didn't have the best season last year, but if he can get back on track in the right structure, I think he could help them out. But they did lose a lot as well. You know, Donskoy, Saad, Ryan Graves, Connor Timmins, like especially Donskoy and Saad, that's a lot of scoring that they're saying goodbye to. And, you know, when I look back to them in that series that they lost against the Vegas Golden Knights, Firstly, unfair draw, right? We, we should have been having that in the Stanley Cup final or at least the Western Conference final. We shouldn't have had that in early, that in the second round. Secondly, I felt like their center depth was an issue. Uh, they just couldn't compete, um, you know, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Also, um, with physicality, I felt like they weren't tough enough. Now, those two things I just mentioned, there's one player that fit both of those things. It's Nazem Kadri. He was suspended right. during that series. If he can stay literally in the lineup, just don't get suspended, Nazem Kadri. Maybe it's a different story. Um, but I'm curious if those still things are going to haunt them or if we're going to see, um, you know, their GM, who Joe Sackick, who has been one of the best GMs in the league the last couple of years, go big game hunting this season and get, you know, some help at the trade deadline and probably veteran help. And, you know, the journey that the Tampa Bay Lightning took, right? And we'll get into it with the captain, Stephen Stamkos, in just a few moments right here on this episode of In the Crease. The journey included so much heartbreak. The reason why I bring that up is that the Lightning learned from that heartbreak, right? They got better. They figured out, okay, we've been there, done that. We have to stick together. Two teams, not only an avalanche, you know, three straight second round exits. That's a lot of heartbreak, okay? Especially last year, all the expectations, failure. The Vegas Golden Knights, let's go to them right now. Let's pivot to the Vegas Golden Knights because, again, right, then I feel like yeah. Kind of forgets about that had all the heartbreak and failure that won the Washington Capitals. Right. Another team. They started it all right. Mm -hmm. The heartbreak and failure. And of course, the New York Rangers created a lot of that. Henrik Lundqvist was amazing back in the day against them with so many. They suffered so many early exits. They finally got over the hump and then the lightning finally got over the hump and kudos to them. They won back to back. Uh, Washington only won the one in 2018. So now we're up to the Vegas Golden Knights. And I hear all you people, oh, no, they haven't even been around that long. I don't even care about the fans. They don't know what losing is. Hey, just pull back a little bit, will you please? They're built to win. They were built to win from the get-go. Kudos to that organization. But they expect to contend for the Stanley Cup each and every year. That's not easy to do. They're doing it. And that's why seeing the disappointed faces, and we talked to Mark Stone, and you'll hear him on an upcoming episode, 
you know, you can tell in his face. I mean, he has got a rock star face and we got onto a lot of different things there with Mark Stone. He was just, you know, Devis, he's like, you know, unfinished business, baby. And then, you know, all of all of that. So it's so fascinating to me, the journeys to winning a cup that these teams, especially recently, have taken. They have to undergo heartbreak and pain. And if you really want to go back in time before you were born, okay, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, led by uh, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Heard of him. He experienced that against the New York Islanders. Okay. Again, I grew up on Long Island. Yes, I was a Ranger fan growing up, thanks to my dad. I didn't hate the Islanders. They won four straight Stanley Cups, blah, 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 blah. But they created pain. And you know that classic story. In matter of fact, Tampa Bay Lightning coach John Cooper, who's buddies with Wayne Gretzky, told me on a radio show last offseason, no, actually after they won the second cup, that he recalls a conversation Wayne Gretzky had with him, John Cooper, talking about that. The story was the Islanders won the Stanley Cup. The Oilers, distraught, walked by their dressing room, looked into the Islanders dressing room after they won. They looked like they just went through a battle, a war. This came with winning. That's when Wayne Gretzky said, that's when I realized what it took to win a Stanley Cup. Did I get it right, Emily? You got it right, I'm sure. I don't know that story, but I'm looking up right now. But I'm like, literally, it's like we have ESPN or something. Great quote for Mean Girls, because I wrap this up by saying, talking about the teams that have gotten so close, but just can't go over the hump. The team that always feels disrespected. The team that's like, why aren't you talking about us? The team that's like, these two girls grew up Rangers fans. Of course, they're not talking about us, is the New York Islanders. And it's so funny, because I talked to Matt Martin, one of their key fourth liners about this last year. And he literally said they felt like they could learn lessons from the Tampa Bay Lightning of that team of like, what does it take after all these long playoff runs to just finally get over the hump? And, you know, Lou Lamarillo did his thing. He likes what he likes. He likes his old devils. He likes his people. He did like Zdeno Chara. That's a really interesting addition. You know, Charlie McAvoy, we talked to him. He said that Z was with them this season, this offseason rather, in Boston skating with the boys. He said they looked really good out there. It's going to be interesting if they're that team, even though they don't play the flashiest style or the most exciting style, they have made long playoff runs. They tend to sneak up and surprise you. I always say death, taxes, and not giving the Islanders credit until they make an upset in the playoffs. And we'll see if they get there now. I'm really glad you include the Islanders. You know, I'm buddies with John Ledecky, the co-owner, and he would destroy me if I didn't mention them. And the thing is, we talked to Anders Lee healthy, can't wait to contribute, How talked about how much it hurt him that he wasn't there for the team during their incredible run, came, coming so close to upsetting the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, in the postseason, uh, you know, this past postseason. But yeah, they're right there, and their core group is there, and they didn't have a busy offseason. Just getting Big Z, the leadership is going to be so valuable. And just getting back, you know, the fans are so pumped up to have – Zidane Char back where it all began. You know, it's just fitting. When I first heard this, saw the story, you know, and I was like, I saw one, I just assumed he was signing a one-day contract with the Islanders and retiring as an Islander or something, you know, like what they do in the other leagues. But I was like, oh, wait a minute. Let me look closer. One year. Oh, I got it. He's, he's getting it. Uh, it's just fantastic. And that would be a wonderful Cinderella storybook situation, right? The Islanders can somehow win a Stanley Cup and Sedano Chara could be there, you know, have, winning another one, but doing it with a team that drafted him. It's basically right now Big Z and Jumbo Joe seeing who can outlast each other and win that <laughs> again. We, we know who has the better facial hair and the only facial hair of those, that pair, uh, Jumbo Joe. That is for sure. Uh, and I still love it. And it's great. And yeah, I'm, I got a thing for facial hair. I spoke, we had a long conversation with Ryan O'Reilly about it and the uh, as he looks ahead to his bobblehead day. The other thing that interests me, you know, we always hear about players and we spoke earlier about, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko wanting to wear the C on his sweater. Didn't get it. Okay. Well, then I found out that Artemi Panarin, the jokester, but he was serious, reportedly when asked, he made it clear and I should attribute where he was asked, but it was out there this week 
that he has no desire to be the captain of the New York Rangers. So don't even bother to ask him. He says there are other great candidates available on his team. And he's like, I just want to focus on hockey. Basically, that's what I'm good at. And I want to keep it to that. There's enough for me to deal with just playing hockey. And it is rare where someone, at least out loud in public, says, you know what? Give the seat to somebody else. I don't want to be a captain. I applaud that. I'm glad he didn't just reluctantly take this. Like I'm sure many players have done that in the past because they don't want to send the wrong message to their teammates. So I thought this was very uh, interesting. Yeah, I think we're going to talk a lot about hockey culture this season. Um, by the way, it was the Hockey in the Know uh, podcast or Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we're journalists. We like to give attribution to what it's due because we expect the same for us. But, you know, I, I the one thing I've always respected about Artemi Panarin is he has conviction and he knows what he wants. And, you know, even if it's unpopular, like he knew I don't want to be in Columbus. I want to play for a big city. That's important to me. Lifestyle wise, it's important to me career wise. And so we did. And he left. And there was no hard feelings, I think. I mean, there were some hard feelings, but I do, you know, in talking to people in Columbus and his teammates, they respected him because he was always upfront and honest about it. And so just hearing him say that, I have a lot of respect for him. Absolutely. And we spoke to Zach Berensky in Chicago. He was a delight. Uh, but, you know, we also brought up to Seth Jones what's going on, the, the mass exodus from Columbus. I mean, it's just... You know, it's such a great city. Uh, you were in it recently, you know. I did it twice this summer. And I'll, you know what? I'll say this about Columbus. Um, and, you know, Seth's talked about it a bit. I, I asked him specifically, do you feel guilty being part of this narrative? Tony Reale is muting me as I speak right now. That's not a word I'm allowed to use, but I can use it here in my space with my platform. <laughs> about this Doesn't he know what you're about? Isn't he on board? Come on. I know that you're whole around the horn thing, but this is. Come on, the NHL podcast with Emily Kaplan, Linda Cohn, ESPN. And you're getting all the narratives here. I asked Seth Jones, do you feel guilty that you're part of this narrative that players don't want to be there? And he's like, yeah, I do a bit, but we all know that it's not true. And each of us had an individual story of why we left. And for him, he had his reasons. Or Tommy Panarin has his reasons. Bob has his reasons. Pierre-Luc Dubois, that was a weird situation. He had his reasons as well. So... We'll see where they go. I do like the fact that they really just decided to commit to this turnover. And although Cam Atkinson was a really popular player there, they're like, you know what? We're starting over. We're really starting over, starting fresh and giving these young guys a chance to shine. All right, Linda, we've teased it enough. I think it's time to get to this interview with Stephen Samkos. And I'm not going to lie. When we saw the list for players, the media tour, he wasn't someone I circled, like, must talk to Stephen. I can't wait. That said... He totally surprised me. He was so fun, so relaxed, told us great stories about Tom Brady and that friendship. Yes. Parting with the cup about his leadership style and just being part of this team. So I'm not going to give any more away. Let's just listen to him. You only played one very memorable <laughs> game in that run. But what was the weirdest part about playing in the bubble? It was just, yeah, it was just being around the other teams 24/7 like that that was so weird for a lot of us you're you're obviously used to you know hating those guys especially during a playoff series right like you never see them you don't want to run into any guys like you, you might have some friends on the other team but you're not texting them during the during the finals or semifinals this literally you get in an elevator you might be in with five other guys from the other team and you and it's just it was just awkward and it was it was kind of weird. You're walking past other dressing rooms. Like even the game I played, I remember joking with Corey Perry, who's now with us. He's like, he gave me like the weirdest look as I was walking by and I could kind of see him scurry into the room and be like, Stamkos is playing, Stamkos is playing. Like it was just, it was weird, but um, it, it had some perks in its, in its own right. Like there was no travel. So guys were really well rested. You got to hang out with the boys like for 75 straight days, which when you think about it, probably doesn't sound great, but it wasn't bad. So there were some there were some fun times as well. Young guys in the league are so focused on health and nutrition and what they put into their bodies. I have heard that Braden Point is the exact opposite. <laughs> what is his diet like? Uh, 
let's just say I think Tom Brady just did a new Subway commercial. Yes. Braden Point might be up uh, next in line. So uh, for for, for that, Brett? but yeah, like Tom Brady. Doesn't but yeah, you know, I, I I might have to uh, ask Tom about that uh, <laughs> that commercial. Not sure how that works, but uh, Pointer eats bread for sure. He takes long naps. Um, he wears his Crocs everywhere, but. That's just what makes him so special because you see how he plays in those high pressure games. They're not high pressure games to Braden Point. They're just games. Like the for whatever reason, I and I think we all wish we could think like that, whether it's game one of the regular season or game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. It's just another game for him. And he goes out and, and just performs. So he kind of has that nonchalant. Um, attitude but come game time he's one of the biggest gamers I've ever seen and you know he's kind of being known for his clutch goals lately you know pressure just doesn't phase him you mentioned Tom Brady what kind of friendship do you have with a goat uh a little bit um you know we've uh we have a mutual friend so that's kind of how it started and kind of got the inside scoop that he was he was coming to Tampa but We've uh, wait. You got the inside scoop. What do you mean? Well, you tell us. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, you got two journalists here. It it might have been like maybe minutes before it broke, so okay. I didn't have enough time to text everyone in uh, on my list. But we could have put you on the bottom line. Yeah, I could have. Yeah, I might have. That might have been uh, good for my for my following on Twitter there. But <laughs> um, but no, he's he's been great. I mean, is it a coincidence that he comes to town and we've won twice, they've won once, the Rays yeah. were in the finals? I don't know. Is it the Tom Brady effect? But um, you know, he's he's great. We've texted back and forth a bunch, obviously, with the way the world is right now, tough to really kind of get together um with how the seasons align. But um he's great. I've actually kind of started up uh doing some of the T B twelve method a little bit. Oh, they, let's talk about they it. Have a, they have they opened up a clinic in, in Tampa and, and got in uh contact with uh his guy Alex Guerrero there and kind of worked on some things. So it's uh it's been interesting. It's it's been great. It's just Obviously, Tom's on a, a different level when it comes to celebrity and fame than uh, than us little hockey players, but uh, he's 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 been amazing. What's one thing in the TB12 method, whether it's a exercise or a diet thing, that's just really unique that would surprise us? Um, I don't know. I I will say this: I haven't gone full bore on the Tom Brady diet. I don't know if I'm I'm, I'm that yet. Uh, committed to yet. Tomatoes and yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my nightshades they're they're still in my diet a little bit, yeah. but just the way the the whole pliability concept is something that I never really thought about. And obviously, I you know I still mix in my my other training, but I've been doing a lot of that. Um, you know, band work and things like yeah. that. And especially at this point in my career with some of the injuries I've had, it's it's been an interesting take. Does he like hockey? Yeah, he loves hockey. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, you know, being in New England for so long and in Boston there. Um, going to uh, Michigan. Yeah, going to Michigan. I mean, hockey's kind of surrounded him wherever he's gone. I've seen a couple pictures of him back in Boston taking his son to, to the rinks. But uh, he was at a few of our games last year, I think. So, um it's been great. Gronk is the the huge hockey fan of of the bunch. We had him on the ice. He put the goalie pads on. Like Went viral. He was. He's full bore. He's full bore. Give me a scouting report of Gronk, the hockey player. You know what? He was. He's pretty good. Him and his brothers. He got the whole yes. posse came in. He gave us a great speech. He came on the ice. They grew up in Buffalo, right? So they're they're big hockey. They're big hockey guys. But he wanted to strap the pads on. Him and Vassy uh, have been going back and forth and. The, the thing we were scared, he didn't put like the proper knee protection on. He just had the pads. So oh, his no. knees were like exposed. So we're like, guys, this was before the season. We're like, wow. whatever you do, we cannot hit Gronk in the knee. Like we don't need someone taking Gronk down right before they try to defend a Super Bowl title. So we took it easy on him a little My bit. My fantasy football team thinks you. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. Breaking news. The Tampa Bay <laughs> Lightning shatter Gronk's knee yeah. out for the season. Exactly. So oh. we, we took it easy. Nikita Kucherov yeah. doesn't like talking to us. <laughs> we see his personality after you win and maybe after he has a couple of drinks on Zoom. What is a good... Oh, just what do you want to say about that? Probably. Yeah, well, I think you got to catch him at, at the right moment. Sure. And then he's uh, an open book, apparently. But that was that was great. I thought that was kind of refreshing for, for our game. I mean, everyone complains about um, how vanilla, you know, hockey players are. And let's see some more personality. Well... You got the you got the full cooch. We see that maybe two or three times a year, depending on how many beverages he's had at dinner. Um, but that was just that was just him being in his element, working his butt off, you know, winning back to back Stanley Cups, 
and being the best player on the ice and just being honest. And I thought it was great. It's long overdue to bring out the personalities of you guys because you guys have personalities. Yeah. You know, and, and you don't have to have beverages like Cooch right, to do it. Right. Um, tell us something we don't know about you. Wow. That's a, that's a great question. I, I feel like I get that question a lot, but um, I don't know. I love to cook. Maybe that's something that's okay. kind of kind of different. Meals yeah, Damco's makes. What is it? I can. I'm 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 a really good on the grill, so I can cook you a nice filet mignon or a ribeye. Then maybe go for like a lobster tail oh, or uh, over. yeah. Some. My wife's Italian, so I've been getting uh, on the fresh homemade pasta train. Sweet. So we had that. Actually, we ate some of that out of the cup this year. How this, long does uh, that take? Wait, you ate homemade pasta. Homemade out of the cup. pasta out of the cup. That's yeah, incredible. that we was. Won't tell uh, Tom. Yeah, we won't tell Tom. No. We ate some ketchup chips, the Canadian thing, yeah, out of the delicious. cup too. Not so to tell yeah, Tom. yeah, but uh, but yeah. So I, I I guess that would be be something. Um, you know, I have uh, a two year old son at home that's kind of changed my life in terms of uh, my outlook on that. In it's what way? Just the most amazing way. I mean, I come home after a game and. My wife can can tell if if she thinks I played well or if I played poorly based on how I'm acting at home. But now, if I'm coming back from a road trip, didn't play well, you know, your your son's there, so excited to see you. Um, so it's just my my perspective on life has definitely changed for for the better, and uh, it's just amazing that he was, you know, he knows what the Stanley Cup is now. So anytime he sees a picture or we're with the cup, it's Stanley Cup, Stanley That's Cup. That's all he knows. I was about to say two, two years old. Two years, two, two cups. cups. So like. The pressure's on me. If I don't come home with a cup this year, I'm going to get it from my son. So we, we that's a motivation in itself. Boat parades, uh, this is a thing. It's a Can thing. Can you give us something? We saw the amazing video. I mean, it wasn't Brady throwing the Lombardi <laughs> trophy. But, and we were all were wondering what, you know, Killer and all you guys are going to do with that cup. Were you going to toss it? It's a bit heavier. Give me a little backstory. Yeah, it's a little heavier. Um, I think there's like multiples of the Lombardi trophy. So if one you know, decides to take a dip, it's okay. okay. There's just one Stanley Cup and the, you know, we call them the bodyguards, the keepers of the cup. They're, they're hawks. They got their eyes on you at all times. Did they warn you? Oh yeah. They're like, no one's tossing that thing anywhere. And you don't want to be the guy that, you know, does anything. We took it on the jet skis, which was, they kind of had a little bit of a panic attack. The crazy thing is last year, the cup stayed on my boat with Victor Hedman and Luke Shen. This year, we kind of didn't want it the whole time. A, you want to share the wealth, and B, you can't keep lifting that thing for four hours straight. Like, it's a workout. It's thirty-five pounds, but after an hour, that thing weighs a hundred pounds. It's not band work. So it 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 went from boat to boat this time, and the keepers of the cup were on a boat. They were with a diver. They had a diver on the boat Wait, just what? in case the cup fell in. Because listen, if you fall in with the cup, they're not saving you. They're saving the cup. So good. <laughs> so good luck. So they had a diver ready, a dive team in case something happened. Nothing happened, so it was it was good. Oh, but I think it was dented. Can you tell us that? Well, story? that was after the parade. That okay. was that's a story for oh, Pat so for Pat Maroon. If you ever get a chance to talk to him, that was it was like oh, a great. a mini hurricane rolled in. We actually didn't get to true story. True story. We didn't get to you know have our moment on stage with the cup with the fans because a torrential downpour came. He slipped a little. It got dented, but. It's got some character. If you've ever seen the cup, it's yeah. not spanking shiny like you think it is. That thing's been around and seen a lot, and it's got some some, uh, some scars and some stories to tell, but that's what makes it amazing. It's a hockey guy. Yeah, it's, it, it fits the mold. I want to leave you with this one. You guys won the Stanley Cup, but there was a big narrative that, well, they evaded the salary cap, yeah. yada, yada, yada. <laughs> what is the captain's clap back for that? Well, I mean, we didn't break any rules, right? So what... I say what team in the league can miss their best player all season long and still, you know, still make the playoffs. And it's just a testament to, to Cooch, really. Everyone's not talking about how hard he worked behind the scenes to get back and like who misses the whole year and then leads the playoffs in scoring. I don't care what sport you're playing in. That just doesn't happen. But that's the special player that, that, that Cooch is. We have a management team that obviously knows exactly, you know, how to work the system um, and aren't afraid to make some bold moves. I mean, look at the trades we made before, the trades we were able to make 
this year because of the, some of the salary cap room that we had and haters going to hate, right? I, so Hey, you just prove you're smarter <laughs> than the rest. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite parts, Emily, of just sitting down across from Steven Samkos when he talked about the differences between the Stanley Cup and the Lombardi Trophy, right? I mean, yeah, no biggie, but when he made reference to the keeper of the cup specific divers ready to pounce and jump underwater just in case if someone lost the handle of the Stanley Cup uh, during their little boat extravaganza, no worries, nobody panic. There'd be divers, like forget someone's kid. I mean, the divers would be diving in for that Stanley Cup. That's how valuable that is. Lombardi trophy, no biggie, not a big deal, whatever. It's so true, though. It's why it's such an iconic trophy. It's because people cherish it so much. And like these kids grow up just thinking about winning this trophy and the opportunities that it will create for them and yeah there's divers there just to protect it because that's how effing cool this trophy is <laughs> that was a really fun conversation we're going to bring you a ton more this season both from the player media tour i think i've teased a couple of them we got plenty more charlie mcavoy is another one i just want to give a shout out to we're definitely going to oh, bring you so them. amazing yes and by the way uh you know charlie mcavoy is a yankee fan i'm a med fan but he asked me about linda espn's once upon a time in queens i'm locked in i'm so glued so i had no idea about this 1986 team. So Charlie and I were totally bonding over that. And of course, we're both Long Islanders. And, you know, we talked about the so-called Long Island accent that he doesn't have. So we'll get into all that fun stuff. It's going to be a great season, guys. We're so glad that you are here along for the ride with us. And Linda, you have fun because this went by pretty fast for me. Yes, it was great. Uh, I think we'll do it again this week. Twice a week, baby. Listen up and thanks for doing it. And uh, how about this? As I just mentioned, before we let you go, we want to tell you that the Peabody and Emmy Award winning 30 for 30 film series presents Once Upon a Time in Queens, a four part documentary event about the city, the swagger and the wild ride of the 1986 Mets. This documentary explores the epic tale of one of baseball's most dominant and iconic teams and their legendary World Series comeback. Hear from former Mets players and fans, including Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Phil Burr, Cindy Lauper, and more. You can watch Once Upon a Time in Queens, all four parts, now streaming on ESPN Plus and, of course, on the ESPN app.